Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of your works. So it's not your works, mom, dad, that are going to save your kids. It's only the grace of God, not parental works. And we've, we've seen good examples of that uh, growing up in church. I've seen godly moms and dads raise children the identical same way. And one will walk with God and one will turn their back on God. And, and mom didn't do anything different. Nobody has ever been saved by good parenting. And nobody has ever been lost by bad parenting. We can't save our kids. We can't even save ourselves. It's only God. And there are no perfect parents. And so our calling in life... Uh, folks, is not to uh, proudly live before the world as if we've got it right and patting ourselves on the back. Nor is it our, but it is our calling to live humbly before the Lord as those who have been rescued by him. Because there's nobody here in this room who has, who has saved themselves. We are here and we are saved. Our eyes have been opened only by the grace of God. For by grace have we been saved through faith. <clears throat> that's the gospel. And that's what I want to hone in on this morning as we, as we look at, at motherhood, we, as we look at parenting. And our example this morning is going to be the biblical example, the person of Sarah in the Old Testament. Uh, you'll learn about Sarah in Genesis chapters 12 through uh, 21. She was the wife of Abraham. And the Bible says that she was described as a beautiful woman. And, uh, but as Sarah was living her life, there's, there's, th she was less, she was less than a perfect person. She had some flaws. She had not only flaws in her own life, but she had flaws in her husband. She had flaws in her, her family. She had flaws in her faith. But bottom line, she had a glorious, perfect Savior. So I want to look at this morning um, the, the God of the Bible who used a woman who was less than perfect. And first what I want to look at is her husband. She had a less than perfect husband. Um, you know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 that uh, there was a famine in the land where God had sent uh, Abraham and Sarah. And uh, when there was a famine, 
Abraham had the idea that uh, they should go down to Egypt because uh, there was food in Egypt. There wasn't a famine occurring in Egypt. And so Abraham took his family to Egypt. God never told Abraham to go down to Egypt. It was at this point that Abraham stopped depending on God and tried to figure out life on his own. And in going down to Egypt, Abraham was very concerned because, again, he had a very beautiful wife. And it was, uh, he had the impression that when he got down to, to uh, Egypt, uh, that uh, the Pharaoh would look at his wife and he would want his wife. And if, if he knew, if he knew that Abraham was Sarah's husband, he most likely would have been killed. And so Abraham came up with an idea. He told Sarah, Sarah, when they ask you, am I your husband? You say, no, tell them that I am your brother. And, uh, and so that exact event happened. And, uh, and Sarah said, no, this is my bro- brother. And so Sarah went off to, uh, to be with Pharaoh and, uh, Sarah's life was in danger. It was in jeopardy. This says a whole lot about Abraham at this point. You know, Abraham wasn't thinking of his wife when he said, Sarah, tell him that I'm your brother. Abraham was thinking of his own skin. And he was thinking about himself. Uh, Abraham was less than perfect. And when we look at the life of Sarah, um, I'm sure that uh, Sarah was probably a bit disappointed because Abraham didn't live up to her expectations. Folks, when it comes to um, our life and, and raising our kids and, and uh, moms uh, living with the man we love, your husband is less than perfect. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, thankfully my wife didn't scream that because she deserved to scream that uh, this morning. But uh, there are no perfect husbands. But oftentimes, we want our husband to be perfect. We want our husband to meet our need. But unfortunately, when we have that expectation, it often comes crashing down and we live disappointed lives. Sarah, whom God used mightily, came from a family whose husband was less than perfect. And we need to remember that as we move forward. All right? But not only did Sarah have a less than perfect husband, but Sarah had a less than perfect family. You know, in Genesis chapter uh, 16, um, Sarah really wanted a child. In fact, God had promised Sarah and Abraham a child back in chapter chapter 12. But years have gone by uh, 15, 
a little less than probably 12, 12 to 15 years have gone by and still Sarah has not had a baby. You know, how is Abraham going to be the father of a great nation if they don't have any offspring? And so Sarah and Abraham, they're both getting up in age. And so Sarah is getting desperate. And so she conceives an idea of of Abraham taking uh, Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, and going into Hagar and conceiving through Hagar and having a child. This was Sarah's idea, and that's exactly what happened. And so here they live for the next 12 or 13 years, and Hagar and Abraham, between the two of them, they have a son named Ishmael. And Ishmael is the apple of Abraham's eyes. And Abraham is thinking that this is the son in whom God is going to make uh, uh, make all his promises come true. But later on in chapter 18, the Bible says that, that the Lord visits Abraham. At this point, uh, Sarah, and Sarah is 89 years old, and uh, Isaac or and Abraham is a hundred years old, and uh, God says that uh, you're going to have a child, Sarah. And God provides a baby. Now, um, I think I'm getting a little getting a little bit ahead of myself, but uh, but <clears throat> and we'll get that to the third point, but the. Um, in the first part is Sarah does have a child. God delivers on his promise. And as um, Isaac has been, Isaac is the, the child that the, that is uh, born to Abraham and Sarah. And the Bible says that uh, Isaac was uh, circumcised. And after Isaac was weaned, uh, Ishmael was off to the side. And he was mocking of the relationship between Sarah and Isaac. I don't know what was going on there. Ishmael has been this only child. I'm sure he was uh, spoiled rotten. And so now he sees his, uh, his stepmother, or, uh, you know, showing affection towards this infant. So there's probably some jealousy going on here. But, but Sarah sees Ishmael mocking this new relationship. And Sarah thinks in her heart that this can't continue. This this home life, this family can't continue the way it is. And Sarah goes to Abraham and tells Abraham, Abraham, Ishmael must go. I mean, this was devastating to Abraham. Here, Ishmael was the apple of his eye, and now he has to tell Hagar and Ishmael to go. And he kind of stood up against uh, Sarah in chapter 21. And Abraham goes off, the Bible says, and God comes to Abraham. And he affirms Sarah's wisdom. God says, listen to your wife, Abraham. She speaks wisdom. And so Abraham does what Sarah um, desires to happen. 
that the boy must go. See the family life of Sarah. It's a dysfunctional household. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're thinking of uh, having been a mo- mother and, and uh, maybe your home life didn't turn out the way you had anticipated when you fell in love, when you were at the altar, when you began your new family. And there's been a lot of heartache. You had dreams. You had visions of something turning out a particular way. But it didn't turn out that way. For, for Sarah, she wanted a child. And she tried to do things in her own power and ability, and that went south. But not only did she want a child... But she needed a child. You know, wanting a child is okay. That's healthy. That's normal. But needing a child is something altogether different. It's creating an idol in your life. You're thinking to yourself and you're, 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 you're talking yourself into thinking and believing that I need this person in my life to fulfill um, my empty spot. And when you need something over wanting something, you're creating an idol in your life. If you need your husband to be a certain way, you're setting yourself up an idol in your life. And when your husband or when your family doesn't turn out the way you want it to, those disappointments have a way of crushing us. And that's where Sarah was at. She needed this. I want to remind us here in this room that there are no perfect people and there are no perfect parents and that we are all dependent upon the grace of God in this room. I like how Tim Keller describes the church. Tim Keller, pastor of a Presbyterian church in New York City, uh, describes the church as a waiting room. And there's two different kinds of waiting rooms when he describes churches. One kind of waiting room is um, a waiting room for a job interview. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those waiting rooms before, but uh, if there are several people in that waiting room and they're all waiting to be interviewed, you know, what's the atmosphere of that waiting room. I, I, I think in people's hearts and minds, there's probably some competition going on because you're not saying this on the outside, but on the inside, you're, you're measuring yourself up against other people and how you think they're going to do in the interview versus how you do in the interview. And so there is the job interview waiting room. But then there's another kind of waiting room. And that uh, waiting room is, let's say, uh, an oncology, a cancer waiting room. 
And the people in that waiting room are waiting to see the cancer doctor, the oncologist. What kind of atmosphere is in that waiting room? I'm sure people are looking at one another and and there's empathy. You know, there's probably prayer. There's there's a lot of a lot of grace. There's probably a lot of fear. But there's much more of a a love and unity and understanding taking place. Tim Keller says that needs to be the atmosphere of the church. We're not in a job interview environment. We're in an oncologist waiting room. We are all desperate and needy for the grace of God in our lives. There are no perfect families. And we, when we look at the life of Sarah, her family was far from perfect. Her husband was far from perfect. And God wants to keep us from setting ourselves up with disappointment when we put others or things on pedestals and those dreams, those visions don't come true. We can do that at Christmas time. We can do that with vacations. We can do that with our family. You know what? The church, the, the pastor can even do it with the church. You know, we can come up with all these visions of what the church uh, should be, and when those don't come to fruition, they can crush. They can crush us as well. And it can be devastating when reality doesn't match our vision. So Sarah, whom God used mightily, did not have a Facebook fantastic life she had a less than perfect husband she had a less than perfect family she also had a less than perfect faith she didn't have a rock solid faith you know i mentioned a little earlier that abraham came and visited god came to visit abraham and uh, in, in the Lord coming to visit Abraham, he was wanting to reinforce the promise that, that he had made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, it's through your seed, Abraham, that you're going to become the father of a great nation. God spoke it to Abraham. In chapter 15, uh, God, uh, God reinforced that promise to Abraham once again uh, through a vision, through a dream. But now the Lord himself comes, the pre-incarnate Christ comes, and he reinforces uh, the promise with his presence. And again, Sarah's 89, uh, Abraham is 99, And God tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to come back to you this time next year. And you're going to have, Sarah is going to give birth 
uh, to you the son of promise. When Sarah was listening in on this conversation, and the Bible says that when Sarah heard that, she laughed. And it wasn't a laugh of joy. It was a laugh of, yeah, right. And and now remember, Sarah is a woman of faith. She believes God. But it's a whole different story when you hear that information in a geriatric unit. And the Bible is very specific about this in uh, Genesis chapter 18. The Bible says, you know, she is beyond the childbearing years. I mean, she's old. That isn't going to happen by human nature, by human uh, strength or ability. It's going to have to be a miracle of God. And so Sarah laughs. And God asks Abraham, why, why did Sarah laugh? <laughs> Is anything impossible for God? And so lo and behold, one year later, the pre-incarnate Christ comes back to visit. And Sarah has a baby named Isaac which means laughter. She's laughing again. But this time she's laughing because she's so giddy, because God has fulfilled his promise. And God did what she could never do. And my friend, that is the gospel. The gospel is what God can do that we can't do for ourselves. And I want you to see this through this story. That God's promise is much stronger than Sarah's faith. It wasn't Sarah's faith that birthed this child. It was the promise of God. Sarah believed God. But Sarah's faith was oh so shaky. And she just kind of held out her hand and said, Okay, God, I'm going to believe you, but this is this doesn't make sense to me. There's just no way. It wasn't Sarah's faith that birthed Isaac. It was God's promise. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It doesn't say, for by faith you are saved through grace. No, the Bible says when it comes to our salvation, it's by grace that we are saved through faith. Is faith important? Yeah, we, we need to believe God, but faith is only the conduit. Uh, it's the channel. Uh, through which God's grace is going to flow. And here we see Sarah, this less than perfect woman with a less than perfect husband and a less than perfect family and a less than perfect faith. 
in whom God is delivering on his promises. That's our God. That's the gospel. I just want to encourage you moms. I just want to encourage us as a church to not create an environment here at Emmanuel Baptist where it's a waiting room. It's like the atmosphere of a waiting room for a job interview. It's not. We're all in that oncology waiting room. We are all dependent upon the grace of God. You know what a a Christian marriage is? A Christian marriage is two sinners totally dependent upon the grace of God. You know what a Christian family is? A Christian family is a small group of of people, uh, sinners, who are totally dependent on the grace of God. There is nobody in this room better than anybody else. We're all on level soil at the foot of the cross and all needy for the grace of God. At our at our best. At our best in parenting. We're still needy for the grace of God because it's only God's grace that is going to fulfill our needs. And that brings us to our last point. In all this imperfectness, we can look at the life of of Sarah and see not only her gloriously perfect Savior, but that same Savior is our Savior. And the beautiful picture of of Abraham's story, Abraham and Sarah's story in Genesis 12 through 21 is God is painting a portrait of what the gospel is. When it comes to our salvation and when, when it comes to God delivering on his promises, uh, when it comes to Jesus being our redeemer, It's not based on us and what we are or are not doing. God just says, have faith, believe, and I am going to do the rest. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, I haven't read any passages of scripture this morning, but uh, let me just read Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. 
God was proclaiming the gospel, what the gospel was going to be all about through the life, through the journey of Abraham and Sarah. And when God ultimately delivered on his promise of the promised child in Isaac, you know how long Sarah and Abraham had to wait? Probably 25 years. And God waited to a point until it was impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child in and of themselves. It was going to have to be a miracle of God. And my friends, that's that's the way it is with your family. If you're here this morning and and um, Mother's Day comes and it's kind of a it's kind of a, a heavy cloud because it hasn't necessarily turned out the way you envisioned it to. It didn't turn out the way Sarah had envisioned it either. But God had a plan. And what God wanted Abraham and Sarah to do is just exercise faith. Again, Faith isn't the salvation. It is God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And as you believe the promises of God, it is God who is going to save. It is God who is the Redeemer. Abraham believed that the Redeemer was going to come through the seed of Abraham. They had no idea what that was going to look like. And my, how they miserably failed along the way. But in the little shaky faith that they had, God delivered on his promises. And when God did the impossible, there was nothing that was going to hold Abraham and Sarah back ever again. Even when God told Abraham to go up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice Isaac when he was a teenager. As much as that hurt Abraham, I'm sure, to have to do this, Bible says Abraham obeyed. He didn't bat an eye. And in in obeying what God told Abraham to do, Abraham fully believed that even if Isaac would be sacrificed, that Isaac would be raised from the dead. Now, ultimately, that didn't happen. Uh, God, as Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, God said, stop. God was testing Abraham's heart. But Abraham and Sarah had grown to a point in their heart, they knew that there was nothing that was impossible with God. 
It's all God's grace. So I, so I want to just encourage you moms this morning. If things aren't working out the way you envisioned, don't stop believing. Don't give up hope. You are not the Redeemer. You are not the Savior. It's Jesus. And God in His sovereignty has a plan and He just wants you to live by faith. And it's His grace that's going to do the rest. So let Him lift the burden. Enjoy Mother's Day. Enjoy the grace of God in your life that he's allowed you to see another day, that he's allowed you to have more opportunity in relationship with those around you that you love so much. He's not done writing your story. And as you believe... He will fill you with that peace that passes understanding because he is your redeemer. All right. And so I've asked Jim, Jim uh, with him to come. He's our, one of our elders and I want us, want him to pray over our mothers this morning and uh, thank the Lord for you and uh, all that he's doing in your life and what you mean to our church what you mean to him and uh, for our offering as well. So, Jim, lead us in prayer. Thank you, Pastor. It's humbling to know that uh, God is in control and he is the one that is working in us to will and to do his good work. So let's go to Lord together. I want to pronounce a blessing on the mothers here and pray for our Missionaries, the Jenkins down in Studio City as well. Join me in prayer. God, our Father, we do come before you in a difficult place, humble before you. Totally dependent upon you to work in our lives, to reach our kids, to reach those around us, to be all that you want us to be, Lord. We need your grace. God, send your grace today to the moms here. Empower them, encourage them, bless them and all that you've called them to and all that you want them to be. Give us life, Lord, because we have a Savior that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. We, too, want to pray for the Jenkins and ask that you would continue to bless their efforts there in Studio City. Lord, they've had more people come to their church plant there, and we just thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that you would help them as they have gospel conversations to the, with these new people, that you would help them to present your truth and that you would work through your spirit to call these people to yourself through faith by grace. And, Lord, that you would help them with momentum in the summer. Their numbers are going down, and we pray that you would help them and bless them. But bless our offering time now, Lord. Help us to give in a way that honors you cheerfully because your work is important to us and we trust you with our funds and our treasures. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.